Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, it's John from All Stats, aren't we? This episode is a special episode where we preview the Fulham game from this week's Carabao Cup edition with Jack J. Collins of Fulhamish Podcast and Ranks FC. Before we get into that though, just a reminder that we produce a preview episode of every league game over on our Patreon channel. Each episode features a short interview like this with an opposition fan and then around 30 minutes of discussion from us about how we might see Leeds approach the game. If that sounds interesting, then you can sign up for all our audio content for £2.50 a month. That'll get you all the preview episodes for the month, all of our weekly bonus podcasts for the month, access to our live streams, and access to all of our audio content from the last two years. If you like the sound of that, then head over to www.patreon.com forward slash allstats aren't we, and check out our subscription tiers there. Now over to my chat with Jack J. Collins of Fulhamish Podcast and Ranks FC. So Jack, hi, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you my friend, how are you? Yeah, really good. We've just been talking about how Fulham's fortunes have changed in the in the last season, so things are looking good for you. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to you about them, because obviously this is the first season in a while where we haven't been in the same division, so there's lots to catch up on, I think. Yeah, I think well, we miss you as well. Um, it's, you know... <laughs> We miss we miss having the away end taken over. Middlesbrough tried to do it. They thought they were the big the big dogs they were. You know, <laughs> it's a it's a minor thing. We've seen it done properly. Yeah, I've got a question later on actually about about how it felt as though we we sort of picked up a little bit of a mini rivalry in the last few few years. So we'll we'll get onto that later, no doubt. But let's let's start with the season so far. How's it how's it gone for Fulham? Yeah, I mean, as you can see, things are things are pretty good. Um, we're, we've lost one game and, and won pretty much everything else, so it's been it's been enjoyable. And we, you know, it just feels like Fulham are have been let off the leash again. I think is the is the kind of feeling around the camp. It's suddenly we're not you know going one nil up and putting eight men behind the ball. And and I appreciate that you go to different lengths to preserve a lead in the Premier League and the Championship, especially when you are you know one of the the dominant sides in the division as opposed to being one of the weaker sides in the division and there is that caveat to be made but even in the championship Scott Parker's 
tactical acumen, should we say, appeared to be that you get the lead and you look after it. And it was very uh, in the mold of he was as a player, right? It was it was quite it was quite gritty. It was quite um, hard hitting sometimes, and it wasn't particularly pretty to watch. Um, now it was effective. Fulham got promoted, and unless they do one better this year, there's no nothing to say that that Scott Parker has done a bad job. That's not uh, that's not what I'm getting at. But I do think there's a point to be made that. Fulham already look like they are a team enjoying themselves again, enjoying playing football again. And there, there's this element where, you know, we're seeing the likes of Ivan Cavaledo, who had a funny old year last year in the Premier League, kind of playing up front in a, in a not false nine, in a, in a very much a true nine role. But it was, it, it just didn't seem to suit him. He's back wide. He looks like he's enjoying his football more. Alexander Mitrovic has been returned to the lineup and, and well, scored six goals so far in the championship, which isn't a terrible return. Um, and you, you look at just this team as a whole and it feels like, they're moving in a direction that might be able to kick onwards if Fulham are to get promoted for the first time in a while. I think that you could maybe look at this side and say, okay, maybe seven of this side could play in the Premier League. And that is a start. Whereas before we've been looking at sides and going, okay, maybe four or five of this team at a push could be Premier League players. Things start to change and you start to feel like, there isn't the amount of turnover that perhaps there has been for the last couple of years. We've managed to hang on to a lot of important players and the feeling just seems to be good around the camp. Yeah, and obviously that's a lot to do with your manager, Marco Silva. Could you talk to us a little bit about him? How are you feeling about him at this point? Yeah, I mean, it was it was an appointment that kind of came out of the blue. We were linked to a lot of people. The, the heaviest one was, was Steve Cooper, who was at Swansea last year. And that appeared to be what was happening. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, Marco Silva was appointed. And I think it was a bit of a mixed reaction. Um, he'd been out of the game a little while. His last job, obviously, at Everton didn't go as well as perhaps it could have done. And whilst Rafa and, and Carlo Ancelotti have started to turn things around a little bit, I do think there wasn't an, an element that, for a while, the Everton job felt a bit like a poison chalice. Um, and, and no one really seemed to be able to get them going to the extent that, that the fan base wanted to, which is fair enough. Um, but he came in. We were pretty happy. I, I thought he did a relatively okay job at Hull. I think he did a good job at Watford up to the point where his head was turned and then it all went a bit funny. And so the the kind of big question was, is he going to be a mercenary? Is he going to come in, do a good job and then immediately jump up to a, you know, a bigger club, which is, I suppose, what happened at Watford. Um, but there is this kind of element that Louis Boamorte is, is his assistant manager, who is a Fulham legend and was captain the only time Fulham have beaten Chelsea in, in a lot of our lifetimes, you know, scored the goal. He's very much, you know, loved within the club. And it's been interesting because the songs that have been sung over the first couple of weeks of the season have mostly been about Louis Boamorte, which I imagine Marco Silva must be a bit confused about, <laughs> but equally probably sees that there's a lot of people in this season's shirt with Boamorte 11 on the back. It, it, it feels like a good thing. And I suppose that kind of anchors him to the dugout. Um, and, and there's that kind of feeling that having someone who cares about the club and who who is a Fulham legend and a stalwart of, of what were you know the best years of, of Fulham's for history in my life at the very least um is someone who is able to engage with the manager and show him what was important here i also think it's an element that marco silva has maybe had his fingers burned a little bit by seeing what happened the last time round, and you know he did make that jump it didn't work out at everton he's then out of the game for a year and a bit so there's that kind of oh okay let's not let that happen again i think he's he's a you know a good manager we've not seen any of the 
the set piece worries that I was desperately upset about when he signed. I was like, oh gosh, we could be in real trouble. We weren't, we aren't good at set pieces at the best of times, um, at defending them anyway. And 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 then you bring in Marcus Silva, who famously was terrible at defending set pieces, and I was a little bit worried. But we seem relatively comfortable. We seem pretty confident. We're not the biggest team in the world. We never have been really, but we we seem to be able to deal with things. And and that was, I think, a big relief for me. But yeah, I'm I'm pleased with Marcus Silva's done so far. I think there are elements that obviously he's got to learn and, and, and deal with a little bit more rotation I think there's a couple of players on the fringes Marit Rodak for example who, who really feels like he probably is due a shot um, Paolo Gazzaniga has been okay without really setting the world on fire so there's that that's the one gripe I would suggest that the fan base has at the moment but on the whole you can't really complain with the start that Silva's had yeah, you've mentioned a few players already this morning that I guess we wouldn't have expected to have seen in the Fulham lineup last season. So can you just talk us through roughly what the what the team is looking like this time around? Yeah, um, it, well, it was Kenny Tete uh, right back to begin the season. It was a, a lovely moment to hold on to him. He's, I think, by quite a distance, the best right back in the championship when he's fit. Got an injury, uh, got a knock against Stoke, and it looks like a, maybe a month or so out. Um, so Dennis Adoy has slotted back in at right back, which is what he came into the club as. Um, he was then obviously converted to a centre-back and was kind of this bizarre little centre-back figure for, for a long time for Fulham and he's gone back out to, to that right-hand side which is I think probably quite a nice fit for him at this point I think he feels more of a right-back than a centre-back and almost probably always did um, you kind of it's like his passing range which is fair enough and appreciate what he could do on the ball in there but there is an element that Fulham feel a little bit more stern in the middle with Tosin Adarabayo and Tim Ream, uh, although Alfie Mawson has returned to the rotation and in Ream's absence a couple of times has, has really stepped up and, and been good. And if he can stay fit, um, then there's always a chance that Alfie Mawson might become very good. But the, the if he can stay fit is a gigantic if. Um, we've seen John Mikhail Seri. Um, at the at the centre defensive midfield role, basically playing the six, he's been a revelation. Um, and it's it's a really interesting one. We we kind of didn't really understand what was going on. We started seeing him in preseason. We thought it was a another full storm in many ways. We've seen him in preseason a couple of times now. He's never really been able to kick that on into the season. He then didn't start the first game, and we were like, okay, it was the same same old. Came in in the second game and hasn't looked back. He's been absolutely remarkable, metronomic in the middle. Um, now. Whether the cold weather eventually gets to him and those uh, those famous chili blains uh, come out and he can't play during the winter months, we're yet to see. But um, at the moment, John Mikel Seri holding down everything in the six, he is very much the kind of the passing hub, the playing the Jorginho role, if you will, um, in this Fulham side. And then in front of him, it's been a, a rotation. Josh Onoma has been back in the side. Harrison Reed's been in there. Nathaniel Chalaber's come in from Watford. Um, Fabio Carvalho has been remarkable. Um, he's basically played as the 10 when we've played a four. 4-2-3-1. Um, when he's not there, we revert to a 4-3-3, which basically I think is indicative of quite how important he is to this side. You know, they're completely switching the formation if an 18-year-old academy prospect isn't in the team. Feels like a, a big moment. And he's been so creative. He gets close to Mitrovic. He's able to create in that hole. He runs at the ball with immense speed. He seems to be faster with the ball than without it, which is a trait that you don't see too often. Um, and then Alexander Mitrovic plays up front with Bobby Reed and Harry Wilson either side of him. It's been a yeah a, a good start to the season. This team seems relatively settled. Let's talk quickly about the the transfer window this summer. You've mentioned a few of the players that were brought in already, but how did you feel about the transfer window at the end of it, and how how do you feel about it now? 
pretty similar to be honest um i, I felt very I, I felt good about the transfer window and i think one of the things that we we saw this transfer window which we haven't seen in a long time at fulham especially under the Khans, is that fulham didn't leave their business to the last minute now some of that has been forced and i don't have the same level of uh, well reticence towards calling that out than than i think some fans do there is an element that it feels like sometimes that everything has to be tony khan's fault with with certain elements of the of, of the fulham fan base and i can appreciate that there are also issues with that and the fact that he has various pursuits and doesn't always appear to be fully focused on on the fulham job especially during a transfer window but i do also think that last year for example with that really tiny gap between the championship ending and the and the Premier League starting and the way that it all kind of played out in terms of the playoffs, it, it did feel like there was only really one way that they could, things could be done in the transfer market and that was going to be late and it held Fulham back and it meant that the first six games of the season were almost a write-off and you look at that now in, in the circumstances in which Fulham got relegated and you think, well, if they weren't a write-off, could things have been different? But, you know, that's that's by the by in many ways. And, and so I think the thing that most people were pleased about this window was that the business got done early. Harry Wilson came in early, Paolo Gazaniga came in early and um, we were crying out, I think, for a, a couple of reinforcements in midfield. We were looking at Matt Grimes for long periods, but then... It happened that Seri came through and, and suddenly Chomikel Seri was playing, Fabio Carvalho was playing and Fulham were like, OK, do we need extra bodies in this midfield if these two have been added into the mix? And I think Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa leaving late um, basically opened the door for Nathaniel Chalaber to come through um, on deadline day. And then Domingos Kina came with him. Um, Domingos Kina remains a bit of a mystery. Um, I've only really ever watched him properly for Portugal's under-19 side. And you know as well as I do that under-19 football is not the best indication of how, how talented a player is and how they can step up. So I think he remains a bit of a, a, a kind of wild card in here. But on the whole, I think that was almost the window Fulham needed, apart from, you know, we got a manager through the door relatively early after the kind of drawn out Scott Parker saga with Bournemouth and then gave him what he wanted before pre-season in terms of he clearly wanted Harry Wilson he clearly wanted Paolo Gazaniga to come in and provide goalkeeping cover we filled those holes and then we kept hold of Tosin Adebayo kept hold of Kenny Tete we kept hold of Alexander Mitrovic signed him to a new contract and with all of that kind of happening around it it felt like Fulham solidified and then added a couple of bits, which just give them the extra edge. And, and Harry Wilson, I suppose, is is the big one. He's the headline signing. Um, it's, it's a bit of an oddly structured deal by all accounts. Um, it looks like it's been included as part of the kind of recompense for Harvey Elliott. Um, so it's all gone through in a, in a strongly behind the scenes, strange manager. And you'll have plenty of championship fans telling you that Fulham signed Harry Wilson for a hundred million pounds. Um, but I do <laughs> think at the end of the day, it's something like a, a year long loan deal, um, the Elliott money and 2 million. So I think we've, uh, we've probably done okay out of it in, in that regard, but he's the headline. His link up with Mitrovic so far has been unbelievable um it's kind of the you know it feels like a, a new Mitrovic in that he feels leaner sharper fitter faster and then on you know with that kind of brutality and ruthless efficiency that he brings at this level you've got kind of Wilson's razor sharp dribbling and creativity and between them they've they've torn teams apart when they've played together 
Yeah, nice mention for Frank Zambo and Gisa there. I know that you're a Europa League lover like myself. Huge fan. Were you watching the Leicester-Napoli game yesterday? I did watch it, yeah. I, I, in fact, I watched him at the weekend in Serie A um, as Napoli beat Juventus and he was unbelievable. I thought yesterday he was a little bit strolly around me and he has that languid kind of style that a lot of people don't like, right? And I think especially when you're on a, on a losing side and when your team is struggling against relegation, people really don't like languid players. They didn't like they didn't like Anguissa wandering around. They didn't like Ruben Loftus Cheek. And, and look, I can appreciate that he didn't have a good season last year. But I think one of the criticisms you couldn't level at them is he isn't trying. He just plays like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought Anguissa. I, I thought Anguissa had a really good game at the weekend. I thought it was all right last night. I think he will continue to grow, and I think he's going to be a, a force of nature in Serie A this season. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, let's talk about tactics. What do you make about Marco Silva's approach to the game um, and how does he set Fulham up to play tactically? Yeah, and we, we we like the ball. Uh, we've liked the ball for a long time, um, with that weird little exception of, of when we had Claudio Ranieri in charge. Fulham are a team that, that, that likes the ball, and, and Silva's no different. He, he wants to control games. He wants to control the tempo. Wants to control possession, um, and we've seen that across the board. I think what we've what we have seen for the first time, perhaps since uh, Slavica Kanovic left, is fullbacks bombing on. Um, really, really pushing forward and a little bit now less with, with Dennis Adoy there. He doesn't quite fulfill the same role that Kenny Tete does and being able to get outside of his man. But um, Anthony Robinson and Audio O'Brien on the left, both of them are, are very, very willing runners, willing to get forward. Um, Seri sort of just anchors the entire system in, in the middle. He he like is the metronome, as I said, at the, at the start. And from there, Fulham sort of expand out. Tim Ream and, and Tosin Adebayo are both very good carriers of the ball. Um, and we've seen that kind of really start to push around. Seri will sit between them when necessary. And and then the two eights are incredibly hard running when it is two eights. So we had Chalabur and Harrison Reed there against Birmingham midweek. Um, it was very physical. It was very confrontational. It was very in your face. Um, and that's where the kind of battleground happened. And what it did was it freed up. Bobby Reed and Harry Wilson to have all the space in the world. Um, and, and when they get the ball and when they start running at you, um, championship defences haven't really been able to cope um, at this point. And we saw Huddersfield take it to the sword. We saw Birmingham taking the sword midweek. It does feel that when, when Wilson and, and Reed have the space to attack, they really are special. Um, and, you know, you add Carvalho into that mix and you change it from a 4-2-3-1. Onuma basically then does all of the running. Um, he basically covers covers off the fact that Seri will 
basically sit sit an anchor and and Carvalho plays really really tight to Mitrovic interestingly the wingers play a little bit deeper when when that happens and I think we've seen Wilson and, and it's actually been Cavallero a little bit more than than Bobby Reed when that's happened because they have that slightly more defensive aspect they sit a little bit closer to the midfield it, it sort of works itself out as a kind of 4-4-1-1 in, in in some ways when that happens but I think we will see Carvalho we're not sure when he's back um, I think he'll be eased back in. I don't think they're going to rush him because when Wilson's on the pitch, his creativity isn't missed so much. I think missing him and Carvalho, missing Carvalho and Wilson against Blackpool was part of the, you know, the, the first loss of the season. Fulham really sort of lacked that, that just getting in behind edge, um, you know, the ability to just beat a man and suddenly open the pitch up. And I think you could, you could tell almost with the, with the fact that it, it, it kind of happened as it did that, it felt that Fulham were playing in front of Blackpool. Now, with one of Carvalho or Wilson, they break the line so often that it basically means that Fulham are often in behind um, and, and and things change very, very quickly when that happens. Um, so, you know, whether it's a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, expect someone to sit and then, uh, you know, either uh, one of the tens to be right close to Mitrovic or two really, really aggressive kind of harrying eights um, who will basically just try and dominate the, the physical battle in midfield. You've watched enough of Leeds over the last few seasons to know what to expect from Leeds. How do you think that this new approach is going to match up against Leeds? Well, I suppose the the big question is how Leeds see this game, right? And and I know that at the moment we're recording this obviously pre-Newcastle. I think tonight we'll, we'll see your well, we'll see your, your season get off to a, a start proper. I think tonight is where where Leeds' season starts to get into gear. And I think no, you haven't been unlucky. It hasn't been the best start of the season, but you know there are also elements of this that you look at and think, okay, the United game is the United game. Um, it, we've always said this that, that Bielsa's sides that's exactly how United are, are set up to play, right? Then and, and Bielsa is so un forgiving in what he wants from from a side that it's never going to it's never going to change that it's just it just happens to be that at the moment United are perfectly set up to play a team like Leeds and you know that is what it is um, I think across the rest of the things it's just been a little bit of a slow start so I'm intrigued as to whether Leeds go for a full strength side here and just try to oil those wheels a little bit more and get things into 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 motion because it, you know if, if if there is a win tonight as I expect then it might just be worth keeping that going if you play a first team squad you'll probably I would say have a little bit too much energy for Fulham um this is still a side learning how to cope with its new new demands I think we're seeing we saw off the back of the international break that some things are quite not you know quite not there yet in terms of just that kind of uh, well longevity physicality we've seen a fair few injuries already and I think there is a t- reasonably harrowing training regime going on I think Silver is trying to kind of engaged not quite the uh the Bielsa isms into it but very much a more physically aware he's looking for a Fulham team that basically will last the distance a little bit more I think what we saw last year and, and even the season before with Fulham was that we were able to go you know absolutely hammer and nails for 60 minutes and then sit off for 30 minutes and that was part of Parker's game plan in that it was like get a lead and defend it but also it felt like Fulham didn't have the capacity to play the style that we'd start a game with for 90 minutes. I think Fulham are starting to get to that point. I think we're starting to get to a point where we're trying to be fit enough, be physical enough to try and impose our style of play on teams for 90 minutes. And I think it's what Leeds do brilliantly, right? Is And what Bielsa sides do brilliantly is that they are 
physically able to compete for the entire duration of any given game because of the well, the way that trading is set up, the way that the whole the whole kind of system is set up. Now, I think Fulham are just getting used to that, and that might be a telling factor in that we might see a fair bit of rotation from a Fulham side. Um, we saw a lot in the in the cup. In the, in the round before against Birmingham, we saw the likes of Jay Stansfield coming through, Adrian Pajaziti. Um, we saw those rotated players, the likes of Joe Bryan, the likes of Alfie Mawson start to get game time. And I think that what we'll see here is a like a, probably a second string Fulham side. Now, that second string is still a very good side. You know, the the one thing that Fulham have in, in, in this year is, is depth and our academy continues to produce a, a really, really rich array of talent. You know, whether that is good enough to step up and be Premier League quality is a different question. But I think that there is a, a kind of misconception sometimes about academies that if you don't produce players for your own first team, you're failing. And it's often levelled at Chelsea, I find. Um, but if Chelsea produce 12 players who go into the football league system in a year, that's an incredible achievement. And I think similarly, what Fulham are doing is producing players who will play in the league system at some point and, and in some at some capacity so whether those players are good enough to step up and play a Premier League team is, is, is a wonderful test for them I think and the likes of Pagaziti the likes of Stansfield who are the kind of jewels in the crown Fabio Carvalho aside I, I think this will be a really really op- excellent opportunity for them we might see Rodrigo Munoz um, who came in from Brazil uh, in the transfer window we haven't seen too much of him I wouldn't be surprised if he leads the line and just kind of see how Silver's I wouldn't say B team, but but rotators sit into the setup and are able to compete within this setup is is going to be a good test, I think. You've mentioned the, the big questions here about how both clubs are viewing the Carabao Cup as as a sort of approach to to getting their players, I guess, fit and 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 momentum. And obviously, there's the other element to the Carabao Cup, which is you may get through to a quite late stage and then and then win it. So how do you think Fulham are looking at the Carabao Cup this season? Is it is it simply just a way to get going in the early season? And then if you get deep in the competition, then maybe take it a little bit more seriously? Yeah, I think absolutely spot on. Um, I think Silva's been given a remit that not only is his you know marker to get promoted, it's to win the league. Um, this is the best squad in the division, I believe. Um, and I think you'll find, you won't find too many people who, who will disagree with that. I think Silva's kind of, being given this point is it doesn't matter what happens here you win the league and everyone will be delighted you come second everyone be okay um and if you go through the playoffs we've done that we've been there we don't like it we don't want to do it again um i mean if if it's what happens and if fulham go up in the playoffs we'll be of course we'll be delighted no one's gonna no one's gonna take away from the fact that you win promotion and as you know it is the best way to win any given promotion in terms of it's also the worst way to lose it um so so you, you get to that point that i think fulham are now you know we've done the we've done the playoffs thing we've we've, we've been there and we we've, we appreciate what it brought and we appreciate what it was stable but this side is good enough to win this division and that is silver's kind of basically operandus he's like he's there going right you win this and you and that is it so i think at this point the cup is an opportunity to blood some youngsters because they were i think there was a lot of youngsters who were a little bit tetchy on a managerial change um they knew scott parker they felt that given the fact that the last couple of years has meant that he hasn't been able to train with them they've been in different bubbles etc etc he they thought that this is the year that maybe he would be able to to kind of give them a bit more game time i think we've seen with carvalho especially that, that there is that kind of ability to give players uh, the minutes if they're good enough. Um, and, and I think we're going to see more of that through the season. I think this is Silver's moment where he goes to the youngsters. All right. 
if you if you think you're good enough and you want games, prove it to me. You know, we've got a right back out for a long period of time. Dennis Adoy is a wonderful stall at the club, but he's not the attacking right back that I think Silva wants. I think we might see the likes of a Marlon Fossey come in here at right back and go, right, OK, if you're good enough, prove it to me. Um, so, so I think we will see a fair bit of rotation. I think it's seen as an opportunity you know, as you say, it's, it's a great thing to, to get the season going. It's a great thing to get those rotation pieces uh, working in the, in the right directions. Um, but also there's this element of Fulham's should be single-minded focus at this point. It has to be the league and it has to be winning the league as well. You've already mentioned that Leeds are at a bit of a low ebb at the moment. Um, not only have they not had the greatest start to the season, but they've also got something of a an injury crisis at centre-back again. So, what are your thoughts on playing Leeds at this moment? Do you think it's just a, a nice time for, for a, a sort of low-pressure game against Leeds just to, to sort of see where you're at and maybe pull out a result? Yeah, I, I think so. And and, and look, I, you know, it, it really does depend on, you know, when we get to Wednesday night and we get to 45 minutes before kickoff and we have a look at this lineup. When I see it's going to be Helder Costa, well, it won't be Helder Costa, he's a Valencia, but if it's going to be Tyler Roberts and, and Jack Harrison and Calvin Phillips and, and Rodrigo in there, you're going to be like, okay, this is this is a test. It's, it's more than a test. This is a very, very good side who are capable of playing at a Premier League level. And when you, when you look at that and, and you look at how Fulham line up, I, I think that will be the moment where you can really decide it. Yeah. Obviously, there's there's a there's a fair amount of, of critical moments going on here at centre back for you, and I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. But I do think there's going to be a point where if you win tonight, then it has to continue. I think they're going to just look for that momentum to try and really get things rolling. There will be changes. I'm not suggesting that that Bielsa is not is going to keep the exact same eleven that that plays on Friday night as he will on uh, in midweek. But I, I do think that if you do win tonight, we will see eight of those players play again. On Wednesday and I think that that means that this is still going to be a serious side and I would be incredibly surprised if this Fulham team which I believe will have a serious amount of rotation we've got such a heavy schedule over the next couple of weeks you know what the championship's like um but it, there really is no pretty re- no rest in, until the next international break um I'd be very surprised if Fulham don't rotate heavily and I therefore would be very surprised to see Fulham pull out a result here. So you've made very clear that you're not entirely sure what the, the lineup's going to be. Would you like to hazard a guess at what the lineup will look like? Yeah, all right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll have a go here. I think Marek Rodak will start in goal. We haven't really seen any of him in in this season, aside from at Birmingham, the last round this cup. And there are a lot of people you know, crying out for him to get a game. Um, I think we will almost certainly see him. I think we will see... Joe Bryan probably continue. I'd imagine Anthony Robinson gets his place back at the weekend and therefore there'll be a rotation there in terms of Joe Bryan coming in at left back. I think the back, the centre-back partnership will probably be Mawson and Hector. Um, Mawson's had a decent start of the season, hasn't probably got the games he might have kind of hoped for. The only kind of flip to this is Terence Congolo is back in training and we haven't seen him for the best part of a year. Um, if he is fit enough to play a game, I think this will be where he gets that game. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Marlon Fossey or Steven Sessegnon at right back to give them a little run out. Um, I think we might well see, uh, I think Dominguez Kina will probably play um, as the 10. I think we might see a little return for Tyrese Francois. Um, and then at, at the bottom of this midfield, it just really depends who plays at the weekend. We've got such a lovely you know, wealth of options now in midfield in Chalaba, Seri, Harrison Reed, Josh Onoma, um, Fabio Carvalho, Bobby Reed can play in there as well. There's a lot of players who can fulfill these roles now. And I, I, I would basically suggest that the player who plays alongside Francois is whichever of those doesn't play at the weekend against Reading. Um, it might well be Onoma, um, given that how good Chalaba and Reed were 
midweek. Um, I think that it might be Onoma that, that gets a nod for this one. I think Niskan's Cabano might play. I think Jay Stansfield will probably get a run out. And then I think Anthony Knockart, he of, uh, well, old fame. Might, might get his go. We haven't seen very much of him at all um, in a Fulham shirt this year. And he seems to be pretty low down the pecking order, which is fine. Um, there are a lot of very talented wide players at Fulham in, in Wilson and Cavallero and Bobby Reed and the like. Niskan's Cabano as well. Um, but I think Anthony Knockhart might, might just about get a run out here. So that's what I would go with if I was guessing that. And you've done enough of these chats with me to know that I don't ask for predictions. Uh, what I am interested in is where you think the game will be won or lost on uh, in the midweek. I think, I mean, I, I always come back to you with the same answer. It's, it's usually this midfield. Um, and I do think that, especially given the kind of uh, onus that now Silva has started to put on winning the midfield battle for Fulham, that's going to be a huge thing for him. It's going to be trying to control the game, trying to dictate exactly what the what the tempo is like. And that's a very, very arduous task against Leeds United. And, you know, you know that as well as I, or more than I, in fact. Um, but it's it, it feels like that if Fulham throw a relatively untested midfield trio in to this how do they cope against a side that will want to you know harry and hassle and press and and dominate that midfield battle as well um so i think that's the, the it's the easy answer um it's the, it's the sensible answer in many ways um and i think that given that we've seen two sides here who both look to you know play in the middle and release quick in terms of getting those wingers into play in terms of getting their their forward into play um i think that you know whoever comes out on top in that midfield battle will win it. But if it is an untried and untested Fulham trio, um, I think it will be as much about trying to compete as it will about winning that battle. Well, Jack, it's always a great pleasure to chat to you about Fulham and football in general. So can you let our listeners know the ways that they can catch what you're putting out about football? No, it's always a pleasure, John. Thank you as ever for having me. Um, I am a Fulhamish to talk Fulham, if you fancy a, a little listen after the game. Um, but mostly I'm at Ranks FC, uh, which is a kind of general football podcast covering most of Europe. Um, so if you fancy adding something new to your rotation, uh, I'd be incredibly grateful to give us a listen. Yeah, and can highly recommend Ranks FC. Jack, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me, John. It's always a pleasure. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 